Pastor Xavier Reese with a wealthy perspective. Solomon said that God gave wealth to man. But we get into this mentality and we said, oh, it's terrible being poor. Oh, you poor? You have a toilet? You have running water? You're rich. You ever thank God for the clean sheets you crawled into last night? The refrigerator you opened up this morning? It's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Solomon said that it is a gift of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Your money or your life. How is it that we know what to do when a burglar makes this demand of us, but not when God does? Well, today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier seeks out King Solomon from the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes for the scriptural wisdom of the potential danger of our possessions possessing us. He begins with the reference for our text. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8 through 20. The message is entitled, The Problems of Money. There are three problems that Solomon presents to us regarding money in this text. First, the love of money, verses 8 through 12. That's a problem. Secondly, the deceit of money, verses 13 through 17. And thirdly, the proper use of money, verses 18 through 20. And that is a problem. Now, let's begin with the first, the love of money. Here's the first problem. This is the root base. This is the foundation. First, money corrupts government. Kind of amazing that Solomon is the one who declares and admits this since he was king, right? <laughs> That's good. Notice Solomon declares that the concept of government is good. In principle, he says this in verse 9. In that it is to profit all the people, including the ruler, as a reward of his leadership. Nothing wrong with that. In principle, government is good. In practice, kind of stinks. <laughs> it goes bad. Notice secondly in verse 10. Money breeds greed. <laughs> Solomon provides the outcome of loving money with a proverb that reveals greed. And so Solomon declares that the person who lives, they will not be satisfied with silver. Why? They deceive themselves because they love money. See, when, when you're enslaved to something, it doesn't gratify or satisfy. It only creates a greater hunger. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself, 1 Timothy 6.10. The Bible never condemns money. Money is amoral. There's nothing wrong with it. We make it evil. Solomon declares that the person who loves abundance with increase will neither be satisfied. Proverbs 27, 20 says that hell and destruction are never full, and neither are the eyes of man ever satisfied. The love of money is a problem with people. It's a problem. Secondly, Solomon says that there's the problem of deceit in money. The deceit of money. Notice first in verse 13, one of the problems with money as a deceiver is that money destroys lives. The existence of life on earth apart from God. If you are handling your finances apart from God, woe to you. 
And I mean that very, very seriously. You don't have to make a lot of money to get in trouble. The piling up of riches to a person's own hurt, notice that. Almost like Romans 2, 4 says that those people who keep rejecting the goodness of God are damning or storing up for themselves wrath against wrath in the day of judgment. So the person who's piling up riches for themselves, they're only adding to their own hurt. They don't see it that way. They just keep looking at the increase. And they don't see the potential danger. Jesus said one day, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things one possesses. Then he spoke a parable, saying to them, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, What shall I do, since I have no more room to store my crops? He said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. His first mistake, his soul didn't need these things. His body wanted them. That's his first mistake. Secondly, God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be? which you have provided. So is he, here's the application, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Luke 12, 15 through 21. What's the application? So is he who is not rich towards God. Is he saying that you can't be a Christian and have money? No. He's saying so is he who is not rich towards God, but his trust is in those riches. Do you possess things or do things possess you? very important question for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can bring nothing out and having food and clothing with these we shall be content first timothy 6 7 through 8 is it wrong to increase no is it wrong to invest no it's wrong to be possessed to live for these things notice thirdly regarding deception of money in verse 16 through 17 money depresses people Money depresses people. In verse 16, the thought of having to leave it all behind is like grasping for the wind, empty and frustrating. And this also is severe evil. And just exactly as he came, he shall go. And what profit is he who has labored for the wind? So in other words, it's just thinking about it. The thought of having to leave everything. You realize that people, you know, it's fine when they're young, but they start moving on in life, and all of a sudden they start tallying everything up, and they start seeing their age, and go, oh, shoot, I'm going to leave. You know, and they start getting depressed. They get weird. They get on medication. They let their hair grow. They let their nails grow. Oh, they get weird. All kinds of weird stuff. The experience of losing all in verse 17, notice that. All of his days he also eats in darkness, and he has much sorrow and sickness and anger. He once had the best of all. Now he cannot even pay his electricity, electricity bill, so he's what? In darkness. Boy, you want to see depressed people who had it all, and they lose everything. Wow. He once was very happy in his riches. Now, he has much sorrow in the thought of his loss. 
You've done some stupid things in your life, I suppose. You're no different than I. You've made some bad decisions, right? You just can't believe you did it. Notice he once was in perfect health. Now he is sickly due to his grief, bitterness, and regret. He once was in control and seeming happy. Now he is angry at himself or at the ones who were responsible for the loss of his money. <laughs> Alexander the Great, we are told being upon his deathbed, commanded that when he was carried out forth to the grave, his hands should not be wrapped as the usual custom was in the grave cloths, but they should be left outside the briar or the coffin so that they were empty, that there was nothing in them. He was born to one empire and the conqueror of another, the possessor while he lived of two worlds, the east and the west, and the treasures of both. Yet, now, when he was dead, he could not retain even the smallest portion of those treasures. The poorest beggar and he were at last on equal terms. That's good. You remember that every time you go to a funeral. Look in the coffin. Nothing there. When they put the coffin in the hearse, there'll be no U-Haul behind it. The possessions of money is power. And it has been said that power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Amen to that. I've seen it in even on a low scale. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptations and snares and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, O woman of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. What does he tell you to flee? Money? No. He tells you to flee those many foolish and harmful lusts that drown men in destruction and perdition that come through the vehicle of money. He's not telling you and I to flee money. He's telling you to flee the love of money, which opens the door to all these things. Have you ever noticed how fast and easy it is for money to either be spent or lost in sure business ventures? These guys promise you all kinds of money and you lose it. A sure thing. The only sure is taxes and death. The only sure thing. Everything else is up in the air. We're grateful for what we have. We appreciate what we have. We take care of what we have. But we don't live for what we have. It's not important. Very important. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Psalm 37, 16. Remember that. The counsel is to us Christians. This counsel is not to the world. This is to us. We must have a problem. Otherwise, God wouldn't speak as loud and as clear as he has. 
the deceit of money is a problem with people. And let me suggest to you that Christians have more problem than people in the world sometimes with money. So we need to be careful. Notice thirdly, the third problem he mentions to us is in verse 18 through 20. The proper use of money. That is a problem. Now that is one of the biggest problems in some of your lives. You do not make proper use of your money. You spend money on things you shouldn't. You spend more money than you should on certain things. You don't pray on what you should buy or what you should spend and how you should spend it. And you rob God. And yet you're always broke. And it's all related. All of it. Notice first the proper use of money. Money is to be used for the needs of life. Very simple. Who's given this? The wisest man. Listen to him. Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage or portion. So this is Solomon's observation, that it is good for a person to enjoy the fruit of his labor all the days of his life under the sun. So he's telling this to men, enjoy it. Be they Christian or not, the principle still holds, right? Because we've already established we don't live for things, right? So he says, this is common sense. This is right. Enjoy what you have. What good does it do for you to work, 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 and never take a weekend off and enjoy some of it? What good is it that your bank account is growing and you never take a vacation? Happens all the time. Solomon is not advocating living for these things for they do not guarantee satisfaction nor happiness in life in and of themselves. But this is a recurring theme. He says, listen, take, enjoy what God has given you. Enjoy which you have labored over. Solomon is merely stating the fact that God has designed man to work for his provisions and then enjoy some of them. That's all. You go all the way back to the garden. Man was to earn his bread by the sweat of his brow, right? Paul declared that if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his household, he has denied the faith and he is worse than an unbeliever. Secondly, verse 19. Money is to be used as a gift of God. Listen to him. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat it, to receive his heritage or portion and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Solomon said that God gave wealth to man. Now, not like the positive confession teachers. That's a heresy. It's not what God desires. Solomon said that God gave the health to appreciate the wealth as his portion. Do you realize that if you had all the money in the world, but if you did not have health, that money would be meaningless? Your health is the most valuable thing you have. Because you're healthy, you can enjoy a day. It really doesn't take that much money to have fun. You know, when we first were married, Trudy and I would take the kids and we'd take our bikes and throw them in the van and we'd go up to the mountains and get off on trails and just go riding back there, put some jelly sandwiches together, whatever, and that's it. You really don't need a lot of money to have fun. 
But we get into this mentality and we sit at home. <laughs> oh, it's terrible being poor. Oh, you poor? You have a toilet? You're rich. <laughs> you have running water? You're rich. You ever thank God for the clean sheets you crawled into last night? The refrigerator you opened up this morning? How about the comfortable pews you're sitting in the air condition you have right now? Let me give you better. How about the breath you're breathing? Ah, it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Solomon said that it is a gift of God. All these things the Gentiles seek, Jesus said, for your heavenly Father knows what you have need of, all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day, it has its own troubles. Matthew 6, 32 and 33. Look at the lilies of the field, and neither toil nor spin, and Solomon in all his glory cannot be arrayed in the beauty of these flowers. Look at the birds, as they walk around saying, oh, where am I going to get my seed? Where am I going to get my seed? No. He says, how much more will your heavenly father? You got two good hands? You got a healthy body? Go work. You will be amazed how God will provide. <laughs> Very practical. Notice thirdly in verse 20. Money is to be used without replacing God. Here's the bottom line, people. Money is to be used without replacing God. Listen to him. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life, because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. Solomon declares that the man who understands these simple things to be from God is not going to be preoccupied with how long he's going to live. If you're always preoccupied how long you're going to live, you've got a problem. The riches and material things have their proper place in our lives. Under God's foot. Under God's control. Under God's instructions. The riches are only for here and now, not eternity. Money is deceitful. Choking out the word of God. Matthew 13, 22 in the parable of the sower. It's one of the things. Cares of this world and riches choke out the word of God. I mean, when you're poor, it's, well, God's good. But then you get some money and you say, well, I don't know. But be careful. God can take things a lot faster than he gives them. You know that? <laughs> a lot faster. Solomon declares that the man who lives like this is one who is serving God in the kingdom, not things. The joy of his heart, to love God and his fellow man. This man, here according to Solomon, is a man who acknowledges it's the gift of God. He's doing what honors God. He's enjoying that portion, but he's not living for it. But he's living for God. He's wise. God is the joy of his heart, not things. Money talks, we have been told since our childhood. Listen to this dollar speak. You hold me in your hand and call me yours. Yet may I not as well call you mine? See how easily I ruled you. To gain me, you would all but die. I am invaluable as rain, essential as water. Without me, men and institutions would die. Yet I do not hold the power of life for them. I am futile without the stamp of your desire. 
I go nowhere unless you send me. I keep strange company. For me, men mock, love, and scorn character. Yet, I am appointed to the service of saints to give education to the growing, to the minds, and food to the starving bodies of the poor. My power is terrific. Handle me carefully and wisely, lest you become my servant rather than I yours. Too many Christians have a very wrong understanding about money and material things. Some believe that if a person has money, that he or she should not enjoy it. It's not biblical. Others believe that a person with wealth and riches cannot be a Christian. I've heard this. For if he or she was really a Christian, then they would give it all away. Still others believe that we should all share in a common pot, even as the early church did. But that's not a biblical mandate. That was a mistake. The Jerusalem church became poor because of that. It's much better to hold your investment and live off the interest and use it, let it work for you, than to spend it all and be done in two months, and then you are poor. It's called stewardship. Paul declared that what he learned to be content in whatever state, little or much, Philippians 4, 11, and 12. Can you handle little or much? Or would it change your mind towards God? Do you acknowledge the gift of God in your life and his provisions, the job that he's met for you? You bring home the money. It's not through that. God has given it to you. Do you appreciate it? Or do you complain about it? We've all been around work where people complain, complain, yet they never leave. They're always there. <laughs> and they love Friday payday. The amount of money you bring home, do you despise it or do you thank God? The fact that you have a roof over your head, clothes, are you thankful? Are you more overly concerned about how long you're going to live rather than how you can serve God? That's important. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, Matthew 6, 21. Where's your treasure? You'll find your heart right there. The fellowship with God results in joy. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore, Psalm 1611. Joy comes from the discipline of testing also. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, Psalm 30, verse 5. Our worship is to be and bring joy to us. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God, Psalm 43, 4. Do you have joy when you worship God? The benefit of joy is strength, Nehemiah 8, 10. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Incredible. Let me leave you with three principles, okay? One, seek to live a balanced and prioritized life. A balanced and prioritized life. You can find that in Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9. That God doesn't bless you so much or God doesn't give you so little. Secondly, seek to be gracious to others, Proverbs 13, 7. Remember what it was to not have. Keep people in mind. Then thirdly, seek not to rob God, Proverbs eleven twenty four 24, and Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Don't rob God. The proper use of money is a problem with people, Christian people. We're not here to judge the world. We're talking about Christians. And God give us wisdom regarding our finances. Pastor Xavier Reese. 
drawing our time to a close today with five important and helpful principles for the proper use of money. And you can hear this program again when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com and click the radio listings link you'll find there. Today's study is titled The Problems of Money and is available on CD for just $4. Everything we shared last time will be included as well, so it makes a convenient way to study the message more in-depth at your own pace. Now, the title to ask for is The Problems of Money, or simply mention today's date. Request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us monitor the effectiveness of our broadcast ministry. Who knows what's good for man in life, this vain life which he passes like a shadow. Find out more next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com